about that cigar? How about that cigar? Guys, it's Tuesday night. It's our favorite night of the week. Welcome to episode number 47 of How About That Cigar Live. We are so glad that you're with us. If you're live on Facebook right now, please share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups. And if you're on YouTube, thanks so much for joining us on there as well. And for our favorite people out there, our listeners on the audio podcast, we want to thank you for taking a few minutes to listen to us on your favorite audio podcast platform. As always, we are brought to you from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. We are here at Sodi Cigars in Oak Park Heights, Minnesota. And we want to, uh, let me pull up my sheet here. We want to tell you about the Drew Estate Barn Smoker Program. Barn Smoker 2020 continues to expand the festival atmosphere that celebrates the love of the leaf and the Drew Estate culture, envisioned and inspired by Jonathan Drew to bring aficionados, brands, and local businesses to American tobacco farms. Barn Smoker events also serve to raise awareness for Cigars for Warriors, a charity whose sole focus is to support the American military. This year, the Barn Smoker program will feature a multi-level ticket opportunity to satisfy the wants of every valued attendee. There are events in Claremont, Florida, Craftsburg, uh, Pennsylvania, Windsor, Connecticut, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and Covenant, Louisiana. Tickets available for purchase at barnsmoker.com. So, guys, again, episode number 47, we're really glad you're with us. Uh, Garrett, this week, we got to see some uh, some good spring training in the baseball world. And there's some good stuff going on. I mean, the, the wins, it's obviously super early, uh, but they look pretty good early on. World Series. World Series. Champs, calling it right now. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, oh, it's a different. Oh, is that? Different report. Uh, it's okay. You know, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. So you don't do You don't do sports. <laughs> and uh, so the, the Minnesota Wild, uh, they dumped uh, the head coach. Uh, and they dumped the head coach for two and two. So more of the same thing. Four to five hundred team. Yeah, there is. We're going to try and work on that. Yeah, it's just uh, they're playing right now. Uh, the dog is in the jacket. Just playing right now. Well, we moved out last week. It's good. And uh, because we had a Chicago. So we've got some killer echo. We're going to try to fix that, guys. And uh, I'm wondering if we were to do that. I'm wondering if that is. Is the echo still there? The echo's gone. The echo's gone. So we'll do it on the fly. Um, so, guys, we have a very special guest this evening. As always, we're we're excited to bring uh, guys to you from the from the cigar industry that can teach us a little bit more about what's going on out there. They can showcase their products, and and we can get an idea of you know some of the great products we can pick up when we're out there looking around at their brick and mortar shops. Yep. So this evening, uh, as always, we are going to bring to you our special guest, brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. They are the internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in being cigar fanatics just like you and me. And you will also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At, at Corona Cigar Company at coronacigar.com, you'll find the best selections anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visit, visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations 
in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live on How About That Cigar this evening, please welcome Mr. Robert Caldwell. Robert, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, thank you. How are you guys? Oh, we're great. We're great. Thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it very much. Where, My pleasure. Uh, where are you broucasting live from this evening? Uh, my backyard. Backyard. Well, you got yeah. a lot of beautiful palm trees behind you. We've got uh, uh, what thirty degrees outside right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. My palm trees don't look like that. Right that's a that's a warm winter in Minnesota, huh? It, it is a warm. It is a warm winter. It's been one of those uh, one of those that I really can't complain about. Yeah, and this is kind of a special treat for me too, because uh, you know, interesting story is you probably don't even remember, uh, but years and years and years ago, we used to hang out at Cotton Charlie's, smoking cigarettes, and <laughs> every once in a while over at Sony Sundowns, and uh, you know, it's just cool to see somebody from you know the old school days come up and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden I you know sounds familiar and dude like this is crazy for me so uh outstanding story can't wait to hear a little bit more and uh, get caught up on what we've last you know 15 20 years in headline. yeah small world huh yeah man love it love it so robert give uh give everybody and give us the cliff notes version on how you got into the cigar business and how that led from, you know, that, that first day stepping in the shoes of, of the guy in the cigar business to today. Give us, uh, give us sure. So I've been a cigar smoker for as long as I can remember, but I started, uh, I started kind of everything when I was young, I guess. So I had a, what brought me to Minneapolis, I had a drug problem. So I went to, I went to uh, Minnesota up there to rehab. Uh, that being said, I started like when I was 12 years old, everything. And the only thing that stuck, I guess, to this point was cigars. But I started smoking cigars at 12 years old. Um, I just really enjoyed smoking my whole life. I mean, and then when I became an early adult, it was something that I was kind of like just, I guess, kind of known by. I always I had cigars everywhere I went all the time. And people were always, you know, people outside the industry, it looks really like maybe an alluring thing. So a lot of guys were like, oh, you should consider getting in the cigar industry. And I just had no inclination whatsoever. And actually, I started a uh, restaurant and hotel cigar distribution company here in Miami um, with the intention of being the investor and maybe helping some with the business, but not really running it. And then I started doing that nights and weekends because the guy that I had as my partner, he wanted to get a paycheck. He didn't want to work for, I guess, kind of his share of the company. And then that kept growing and then I ended up building a cigar factory in Miami with Christian Aroa and then that didn't work because we didn't get along at all as business partners and then from there I ended up I guess starting Lost and Found kind of just as a real hobby project and then jumped into Caldwell Cigars from there so it was all none of it was planned nothing was I, I just I, I mean I don't know it just kind of happened yeah and what was so when you decided to start you know the brand with your own name on it uh, of all the, uh, you know, the blends that you had ready to go, uh, what were those first rounds that carried the Caldwell Cigars name? Uh, we had Eastern Standard, King is Dead, Long Live the King. 
Yeah, and those were the three that started everything out for you, right? Yep. Yeah. And um, give us an idea about, because this is something I've always been fascinated about, is, you know, guys who start their brands, they build relationships with with blenders, they build relationships with factories, with farmers, stuff like that. And I always uh, love hearing the stories about how you guys get to know the people in the business down in Nicaragua and Honduras and, and places like that. Um, how did you how did you kind of get that moving along, building those relationships and, and deciding which factories and people you were going to work with? Sure. So I uh, with a with a with a hotel. I'm trying to get all this glare of this light because there's like glare behind me. Um, with the uh, with a hotel and restaurant distribution, I got to know a lot of brand company owners, I guess, from brands that we distributed. And then I spent a lot of time in Honduras, Nicaragua, a little bit in Dominican Republic. And so I got to know people really well. And I mean, that was kind of that kind of played more into my tobacco, I guess, that I was using in the beginning, because in the beginning we were focused on Honduran tobacco here in Miami manufacturing. And then I got real cozy with Davidoff on the distribution level. So they started kind of pointing me around Dominican Republic and making introductions to me there. And so when it came to doing this brand, I, I, I mean, I just kind of leaned towards DR and I, because a proximity to Miami, it's easier than anything. And the relationships that I had there, I guess, were stronger than anywhere else. And then in addition to that, the, the, the opportunity to have unique tobacco in Dominican Republic is much greater than anywhere else just due to the, the heritage that they have growing tobacco is far longer than anybody else's heritage, yeah. uh, even even surpasses Cuba by about 20 years. And what that gives you is it gives you much more variety when it comes to the way the tobacco is processed as well as different varietals on seeds. There's a ton of microclimates there and there's a lot of kind of farmers just doing the same thing year in, year out for 150 years as a family gives you after 150 years kind of like a naturally um, engineered crop, if you will. So a lot of these guys have, have basically farmed and, and in a very rudimentary way manipulated their crops to the point where now it's science, but back then it was just, you know, kind of helping Darwinism when it came to the plant. And then that together with where they're growing the tobacco, how they process the tobacco you have a lot, a lot of diversity in the flavor and the tobacco opportunity in DR. So that stood out to me like crazy because our whole brand was built kind of on rare tobaccos and very aged tobaccos. And so that was where I decided to pick up. Yeah. And um, then kind of moving into the last couple of years, you know, there have been, because I would say that you are a, um, uh, you're a really prolific collaborator. Um, you, you've, uh, you know, because of a lot of the relationships that you've built are, around the industry, there, there are so many collaborations and, and, and uh, sort of merged projects that you've been able to do with some really great people uh, and, and sort of talk about how just how those how those came to be, whether it was with uh, John Drew or Matt Booth and things like that. So each one of those projects kind of has a different um utility i guess for us and then some of them are very easy and managed by us and then some of them i guess were more complicated where we didn't have as much control of them um and for different reasons so you know our first one i guess was we made a cigar called anastasia with ernesto carrillo and that's one of the favorite cigars i've ever had made and smoked in my life and that one I liked in particular because we use really aged, very rare, small batch tobaccos. We only put in 35 stores. 
And the first premium cigar I ever smoked in my life was a Carrillo product uh, out of Miami. And so it was kind of like a full circle. You know, I don't know. We were maybe two years old when we introduced that brand. And that to me was more of a very small legacy brand. And then from there, we did the Drew Estate project. And that was very cool because Drew Estate specializes in the exact opposite end of the spectrum than we do. So it gave us an opportunity to create products with a different dimension that we were able to produce in Dominican Republic. So we produce something that's medium to full or full bodied, very different approach and flavor and delivery than we do out of DR and then we're capable of doing. So, I mean, our specialty in DR is going to be medium bodied, creamy, rich, tons of flavor, but not necessarily a lot of spice, not necessarily a ton of nicotine. And what we might consider very full out of our factory or within our profile isn't, I mean, by anybody else, it's medium at best. So working with Drew Estate was interesting because we were able to kind of hit angles of the market that are kind of blending style, our whole brand ethos and the tobaccos that we use couldn't reach. And particularly with Willie Herrera, he was my partner really deep on that project. Uh, when we got down there and started working with the tobacco, it was like, I mean, it was, I just, I had no idea what the hell I was doing because the tobacco... What I knew to be this type of tobacco when I got to Nicaragua and I'm using the Nicaraguan version of it, it was so dramatically different. Yeah. So, so anyways, that was a really good learning curve. It was fun. We produced a bunch of cigars um, in a very different way. And then, of course, with Matt Booth, we did uh, Hit and Run, which is made by us. And then we did the tea made by AJ Fernandez. And the tea was interesting because AJ wanted to work with me for years. I wanted to work with AJ. AJ wanted to work with Matt. Matt wanted to work with AJ. And then Matt and I had a hit and run in the works. And then we just said, you know, let's do the tea, the three of us. So that was interesting because that one was a lot of the heavy lifting with AJ. Uh, and then Matt and I kind of sat backseat on, on that brand and then hit and run with Matt. That was, you know, Matt coming back down to DR and wanting to kind of put his bet f best foot forward. Uh, and the purpose of that brand was to release something into the market after he'd kind of air quotes retired and kind of a grand finale project. <laughs> But yeah. it was also the hook to get him back in. So we launched in a run. It did really well. He loved it. And he said, fuck it, I'm back in. And he came back, obviously, in the market in full force after that. Yeah, he, that was one of those retirements that, that when I when I heard the announcement, you know, that he was getting out of business, I just, I knew. I was like, there's no way this is going to last longer than, than a year to get that much. And I think it's, it's, like, like, it's like Phil Jackson retiring and yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, and funny enough, Matt and I were very good. We still are, but we were very good friends at that point in time. And I saw that press release and I called him and I'm like, hey, what the fuck? And he's like, not nah, I'm done. And I'm like, no, no, no. But I mean, seriously. And he's like, no, 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 I'm done. I'm like, OK. And then six months later or whatever, he calls me and he says, you know, I want to work on a project. Yeah. And just bit by bit, I think he just got dragged back in. Well, and, and I knew that something was going to come of that and and the, the honestly the the collaborations that you guys have done the, you know the hit and run especially is um it, i just i think it was uh, you know not to sound dorky but I, it was a hit for me it was the cigar that i i absolutely loved and um you know talk about a little bit about aj because aj is one of these guys who's who's everywhere and yeah he's he's there are so many people that are involved with doing projects with him, so many companies involved doing projects with him. And he seems to be one of these guys that has so much knowledge that you, you're going to have a hard time even even soaking in 10% of, of 
you know, the tobacco knowledge this guy has in his head. What is it like, you know, uh, working together with him on uh, selecting tobaccos and putting blends together? It's very difficult because he's a perfectionist and he has everything exactly how he wants it all the time. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really challenging. Yeah. So, and I mean, I don't know. He's a very easy guy to work with, but at the same time, he's also an impossible guy to work with. So it's kind of like he's got the yin and the yang both in one person. But the funny thing is, like, I get up at 5 in the morning. And to me, 5 in the morning's early. And I, I don't know anybody else that wakes up at 5 in the morning by choice. And then so I go visit AJ in Nicaragua. And then he's like, do you want to come over to my house for breakfast? I'm like, sure. What time? He says 5 in the morning. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I got to wake up a little bit early. Go over to his house for breakfast. He's on his second cigar. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's 5 a.m. And the guy's fully dressed. And I'm like, I mean, okay. And not only is he on his second cigar, but like Nestor Placencia is there with him. And they're on their second cigar. Oh and I'm like, what time did you wake up? And he's like, 3, 3 o'clock or 3.15. And I'm like, it's Saturday, man. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So, I, but but it's very interesting because he's that way. I mean, he's in the factory 24 hours a day. He eats, sleeps, lives, drinks tobacco in every sense. And he's very much involved and in tune, I think, with his business on the production side and on, on the, you know, the, the crop side of the business in a way that I don't think anybody else is. Uh, now, Rob, we've got some, uh, some pretty stellar questions coming in <laughs> yeah. from the gallery. Uh, people want to know how tall you are. They also want to know what color do you dye your hair. I'm six six, and I don't. I wish I dyed my hair. My hair, maybe my hair looks green. Yeah, Leo is in full on troll. Yeah, Leo's Leo's got questions on questions on questions. I like Leo's questions. What color do you dye your hair? I should dye. My, I've never dyed my hair. I wish I. I'm, but I have two color hair. I have brown hair on the side and blonde hair on the top. That's probably why it's confusing. You know, I was in a bad. <laughs> But I was in a bad, so I was in a bad, really bad car wreck when I was 18 years old and all my hair fell out and then all the hair here, like on the side grew back, like it's like curly and then the hair on top straight, which is very strange. But before it did that, it fell out. I had no hair for like four months and then it grew in black and then it fell out and then it grew in gray and then it fell out and then it grew in white or something and then it <laughs> fell out again. And then finally it grew in like kind of a different shade than the top hair and a completely different texture. And now it doesn't grow up by, it like kind of just stops right about there. <laughs> so. Oh, Tom's got this. I have to put yeah, this on this screen. Is solid one too. It's Tony Mulatto, your pet. Do you carry him in a purse? That's mean. This that's is fucking not. awesome. Someone <laughs> screenshot that. That's amazing. <laughs> so the answer to both of those is yes. <laughs> That is awesome. That's, That's my favorite question. question I've ever That's a fantastic <laughs> question. <laughs> so I want to know, I've always wanted to know a little bit more about the Lost and Found Project. And there there may not be much more to say about it, but I've just always been curious about, you know, going and in, into in these places and finding these storerooms that have these cigars that, that are sort of forgotten about that, that you know, uh, you, you try some of and you're like, why in the hell are these cigars sitting on a shelf for all these years? Why are, why are these out there in the marketplace? So how did you get into that? So I have a very bad habit, I guess, of, and I've been doing it for the whole time. The first, so, so, I mean, I went to visit Oliva like 
for whatever, 10, 12 years ago. And I go to their factory and Alberto Oliva's there and I hang out with him. I spend the day. And then when I'm leaving, I'm like, hey, by the way, do you have any special V Culebras, which I don't know if you remember that, but when they, when they launched the yeah. V, they had a Culebra. Yeah. And do you have any special S's? Because at the time they had an S, which was like the special series. And then they released GV and O. And then the S disappeared because people thought it was one of the lettered series, but it was a much more expensive cigar. And then that disappeared, whatever. So give me, but an amazing cigar. Can I have a bundle? Sure. So I did that going to DR one time. And then I go up and I visit Tony in Ohio. And I bring some bundles with me, and he says, these are fantastic. What are these? And I'm like, well, this is this cigar, this is this cigar. And he says, how the hell did you get those? And I said, well, you know, they stopped making those. Uh, and then I was just at the factory, and I asked if I could have some. He's like, well, how many more do they have? And I said, I have no idea. And then he said, well, can you get them? And I said, what are you going to do with them? Because they're, they're, I mean, I don't know. Like, you're just, what are you going to do with them? And he's like, so Jacqueline Sears is there. And she's like, well, why don't I come up with some funky branding, and we oh, can yeah. put them on the shelf. And you know, sell them at Tony's store. So I'm like, all right. So I call the manufacturer. They had several thousand cigars between the three different brands. Uh, and then we, we built those cigars. And so that was, that was the original pepper cream soda, the original one night stand. And then a cigar that was called, I don't know what the hell it was called. Lost reserve or something. We give it some stupid classic name. And so anyways, then he put them on a shelf and then they didn't do shit. And then we launched Caldwell and all of a sudden, that cigar, those cigars sold out. And then he called me and he's like, I don't know what happened, but I sold, you know, $20,000 worth of those cigars this week. I need more. And then, so it kind of became a thing. So it started before Caldwell, but it didn't do anything. And then once we started Caldwell, it did it. So that's how it was born. <laughs> and then I, I did Caldwell. Caldwell went off to the races and then I didn't really think anything of the lost and found thing. And then Tony kept pestering me and I said, okay, let's, let's do some more. So then we brought in some more and then we brought in some more. And then every time we were different cigars or different, batches or different years or this that or the other so to answer your question of why are they sitting there for a bunch of reasons a sizes that didn't sell so manufacturers says okay this you know i sell robusto toro 60 there was a petite corona that didn't sell so now it's discontinued from the portfolio it's sitting there in the aging room so that's one way one way is they make a limited prediction a production or a limited edition but they do an overrun so every you make a 20,000 cigar limited edition, you always make like 23, 24,000, 25,000 in case customs tear stuff open, you have an issue, you need extra, whatever it is, but everybody overruns a little bit. So there's always overruns of special product. And then lastly, some manufacturers, very, very specific ones, they, are, they might have a cigar which is slower selling, but it's active in the market. And then once it ages past a certain point, they no longer will sell it because it'll taste different than kind of like the air quotes, regular production. So they'll have kind of like more aged stock that doesn't fit the active pro profile of the brand. Yeah. So you have something that's actually in the market, but then this, this particular batch of it or these 5,000 cigars are too well aged to sell with that label on it. Cause it just doesn't identify with what the brand is at that point in time. And then really the last one is color sorting. So there's a manufacturer that we buy a lot of cigars oh, from yeah. right now. And they're just, they're too dark or they're too light on the wrapper. They're regular production product, amazing cigars, but they're sorted out by color. And then those, those, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, maybe we'll use these for this or we'll use it. Maybe they'll find a home or maybe they're just sitting there. So then when I get these inventory sheets from manufacturers, I can usually identify what I like. Immediately I call in samples that we smoke them between 10 people. And then we make a call on if we bring them in or not. But then sometimes I get screwed because last year I was trying to buy like a, an obscene amount of cigars from a manufacturer. And then 
they didn't sell them to me. So I ended up getting like, I tried to buy a hundred something thousand cigars. They ended up selling me like 20,000 cigars because then they did something else with the other ones. So they disappeared, oh. which was unfortunate because those were really good. So it's a fun project. I mean, you get some really seriously very, very good stuff. Um, we actually have one coming to Minnesota that we're doing. I think nice. with, I, I got an event up there, I think uh, in April at Bern. And then we're going to do our first, like, kind of regional edition for Minnesota, which is amazing. It's a Lonsdale. So I'm very excited about that cigar. Yeah, super excited about that. We actually have James in the house. With, uh, oh, nice. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I plugged <laughs> him on accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to let everybody know, uh, right now Mike is actually in Rockland, Mondo, the King. And Robert, what do you got, Rockland? A lost and found potential, actually. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's really good, though. It's not going to make the cut, though, because there's not enough of them. What's a, what's a minimum as far as number of sticks that, that you bother releasing? It depends, because we do retail exclusive lost and found, so retailers can buy, like, a batch. And then so we have those kind of predetermined and those we just bring in, we keep them separated, we know what they are. And then as we get those requests, we'll package them for those retailers. And so that starts around 500, 700 cigars. And then for the brand releases, we usually try to be over a thousand cigars. Um, I mean, they've gone as high as four, five, 6,000 cigars on the release. And the smallest one we ever did was 50. We did 50 cigars one time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I almost I almost did one of those last year because I got this Lancero that I wasn't supposed to have that they sent me on accident and they were all packaged up. And then the the manufacturer called me and they're like, What do you what are you gonna do with that cigar? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then they're like, We ask that you not sell it. Can you just smoke it for yourself? And I was like, sure. So But that would have been real low quantity. Yeah, I was gonna say fifty cigars, that's like one guy, you know. Yeah. That was in the very beginning. That was that was that was the first run we had. One of them had a, only fifty. So you smoked those all yourself, pretty much. No, we sold them, man. I like to make my money, so we fucking <laughs> sold them. So, and that's what I remember about you is, uh, you know, you've always got the hustle going. And what I want to know is, you know, the Robert today versus you know twenty years ago. Do you still have that entrepreneurial slash hustle guy in you, or are you all in cigars? No, I'm fucking hustle 24 hours a day. Everything that I own is for sale all the time. There's nothing out. I like. I had a guy. I had a guy come to my house yesterday. Electrician. I got. I got a bunch of old cars. So I, I'm selling one of them. So the guy's like, blah blah blah. So I'm like, no, nah, that shit sold already. And he's like, well, how about you? How about the gray one? I'm like, well, that one's not for sale. And then so I walk him around the house, and then he, at the end of the day, he's like, look, I can't. I, you know, if you were to sell the truck, how much would you give it to me for? And I'm like, look, it's not for sale. I, I mind you, I want to sell the truck, right? So I'm playing hard to get. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, he throws me a number that doesn't work, and then, you know, I'm like, look, I need all this shit done, and I need this, that, and the other, and I end up bartering with him for, yeah, I get my number at the end of the day. So, I don't know. I, I like that man, and everything. Every I told my my wife. I mean, we 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 bought a house, we renovated the house, we did all this shit, and then the first thing I do, I'm like, I'm calling the realtor that sold me the house because I'm going to walk him through. And she's like, for what? And I'm like, just in case, you know, you never know. You never know. So, yeah, I got, I, I, I love that shit. I mean, 
and, and people laugh at me all the time because I like I do that all the time. I mean, I don't if I buy it for a dollar and I sell it for a dollar ten cents, I'm happy as shit. Yeah, you know. Well, it's like uh, a year ago, right now. My uh, so my wife and I and and, the, and our family we moved in July of last year. And a year, but a year ago, you know, February, March of last year, we weren't. It wasn't even on our radar. We weren't even thinking about. It, it wasn't even a concept in our brains. It wasn't even on the radar. And then. You know, we uh, sat down and uh, some people started doing some numbers, and I said, "Okay, yeah, we're gonna sell the house." That was it. it was, there was no, there was no question about it. It was just, it was time. So, yep. When the when the numbers when the numbers line up, you gotta make a move. Yeah. Yep. I like that chain you're rocking too. How much for that chain? How much for that chain, bro? Oh, I don't know. How much you got? <laughs> no, and, and actually, so 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 here's a great example. I bought my wife a year ago a Corvette Stingray. It's sick. It's like mint condition, completely rebuilt. It was a what show year? car. What year? 75. Nice. Oh. Burgundy, fucking pipes down the side. The, I mean, it's a show car. So the guy has sold a car for 15000 which was already cheap. Somebody given him half deposit. They never came up with a rest. So then he put it back for sale for half price. So it was 7500 So I buy the car for 7500 Spent $500 on it, like a carburetor or whatever the fuck it is. So Or whatever the hell. It, five, so I'm in the car for 8000 so the car is perfect when joining the shit out of the car and I go and I put the car for sale and she's like, why are you selling my car? And I'm like, they went up. She's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but now the car is 20 grand. So I made money on the fucking car and she's like, yeah, but we've spent no money on the car. We enjoy the car. It gives us no problems at all. Like, let's just continue to enjoy the car. And I said, no, here's why it went up already. We can get our money out of it now. And because we've had no problems, that's when you sell it. Yeah. You sell it when you when you're good because you keep driving it six more months. You have some fucking problems, and then oh, yeah. you just continue having problems, and then now you lost all your profit. So yeah, I don't know. Love it. Love it. So Robert, I uh, I love paying attention to your uh, your Instagram feed mainly because you travel a lot, and it's cool seeing a lot of different places that you've been to. And can can you tell us? Uh, one or two of the places that you you absolutely love traveling to, and, and then a couple places that you're that you haven't made it to yet, but you want to get to. Are we talking? We're talking for leisure, I hope. Oh, for leisure, yeah. Not, okay. Not, not cigar trips. That's work. I so Spain is like my second home. My wife is Spanish. I go to Spain all the time. Spain's amazing. Um, it's just unbelievable. Like Barcelona. No, Madrid. Okay. Madrid's amazing, and, and I mean the Granada's amazing. The North Coast is amazing. Seville, Seville like it's just everything's amazing. But in terms of like unique amazing, I'd say Turkey is the shit. Like I go to Turkey a lot, and I love Istanbul. That's an amazing city, kind of like not necessarily on the radar to a lot of people, but that's a really special place. And the Balkans, man, like oh, yeah. the the Balkans are the shit. Yeah, I love the. I've been the Balkans a half dozen times. That's fun. I went to a party. They shot AKs in the air. That was like a welcoming <laughs> thing. I'm not even kidding you. So we had a cigar. We had like cigar function. And they were shooting AKs. It was pretty cool. Wow. And uh, yeah. you're a recent uh, big fan of American Airlines. I read. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> that shit is unbelievable. I, I was flown two million miles with that airline. It's just unbelievable. They're just, a, they're the biggest joke. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. What, uh, what's a place that you, that you long to get to travel wise that you, that you haven't been to yet, but, but it's, it's on your, it's on your list. I get like Japan. I'd like to go to Japan because I think that, I think that the life over there is very uncomplex and very compartmentalized and organized compared to how we live here. And I think that I would, yeah, I think I would probably be very influenced by going there. So, I'll, I mean, just from understanding Japanese culture, which I don't, but kind of like seeing it and seeing its effect on people, I think that that's something that would be really interesting for me. Yeah. And then, but not necessarily like a, you know, hands behind your head vacation. And I've never been to Greece. I've been I've been all over Europe, but never Greece. So I'd love to go to Greece. Yeah. And then I'd like to go to Patagonia. I've oh, been to Argentina yeah. and Chile a few times, but I've never been down south far enough. So I'd like to go to I, I like nature. Yeah. So I'd like to go to that. I got a, a few friends that went to Iceland last year, and and it's the the photographs were ridiculous. So if you like, I mean, some of the some of the scenery there is just outrageous. So mm -hmm. if you like, uh, if you like those kind of beautiful open vistas and, and, and nature and that kind of thing, um, I would put Iceland on your list because it looks like a phenomenal place. Yeah, it does. And they cook their bread in the side of a mountain. Who does? In Iceland. They cook their bread? Like there are these, um, yeah, well, it's a volcano. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, there are places on this volcano where all of these, uh, uh, villages pop up right next to the volcano, and they just use it as an oven to cook the bread. Like all these family little, you know, things. And then, um, funny story, chef guy, he There's a lot of chefs yeah, around. Uh, Hell's Kitchen. Um, oh, uh, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay went there and uh, spent time and cooked all this bread. They came back the next morning. <laughs> That's not very Scandinavian. Right. <laughs> hey, by the way, so I have a counter story to that. So I was in Bosnia and I was in some like little town or whatever, and they had a nuclear reactor. And around like they had the like the, the like the whatever the, the stack, like the smokestack. Yeah. And the village was built around the smokestack. So I'm like, why the fuck do you have all these buildings built around this nuclear reactor stack? And they're like, well, because it's warm. Yeah. And I'm that like, okay. Huh. Yeah, it makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. So they have uh, six-legged dogs and yeah, like that <laughs> running around. Um, so recently, you know, there's been some nonsense in the cigar industry there's always nonsense in the cigar industry but most of it's all good but you know with uh you know talking about getting the product out there and hustling the product that's obviously important you want to put your product in front of as many people as possible and there was this uh, recent uh tpe trade show that took place did you did you participate in that trade show in any way yes we did okay how did it go it was fantastic we did it last year too okay um so both years we've had a lot of success there. It's you know it's a smaller show for for premium tobacco, but that being said, the investment is much smaller. Yeah. And 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 I think it's very useful because you get to see a lot of people at the beginning of the year. You get to have a lot of meetings, see a lot of retailers, kind of like brainstorm, problem solve at the start of the year. So I think that the time of it's very useful to us. 
Yeah. And do you still plan on uh, uh, exhibiting at the PCA trade show this summer? Yep. Okay. I, I still I still call it IPCBR though. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna flub on that at least a thousand times while I'll show her on and it's fun to say it's fun because uh, uh, Matt Booth likes to call it hip sipper. There like, you go. Uh, I like saying it that way. I called it RTDA until last year, and then I switched to IPCBR. And then, I mean, just what the so fuck, like, you know? Like six years from now, you'll start calling it PCA, and then they'll change it to something else. Yeah, we'll see what happens with me. Like, it's it's 2020 right now. But when I write checks, I still put 2019. So I pay all my bills on <laughs> shit. But for, I do it for 90 or 120 days until it clicks that it's 2020. I mean, literally, I have, I'll have like 30 companies call me at the beginning of the year like, hey, your check... You know, I'm like, my bad. So same thing with them. Yeah. Um, so are there any sneak previews or can you give us an idea that there are, there are some things in the works for 2020 for Caldwell Cigars or, um, you know, you don't have to come right out and you know, give us the goods, but uh, well, you should. But you should. But no, if, are there are, are there anything, any things in the works? Um. I don't, I mean, we don't really have anything. So our, our, we repackaged our core line at the end of last year. So we're focused on kind of like, you know, focused on, I guess, the rebranding of the core. So that's our big focus this year. And I don't do, I don't even know if we had a release last year. I guess we had Blind Man Maduro. Yeah, which, which we, we reviewed and gave a, a killer score to. It was a great cigar. Thank you. Yeah. So Blind Man is a Blind Man's a crazy brand because Blind Man, I mean Blind Man's just stupid. Just, we sell just an insane amount of that cigar. Yeah. So that being said, if we were to do something, we'd probably add into that portfolio because we never have ad, we've never advertised. We don't do promos. We don't do events without like that. Just it's just off the radar with a company. Yeah. Um. So if we did something which we've considered looking at some stuff with Blind Man, uh out of Nicaragua, doing a Blind Man Nicaragua edition. If we did something this year, which is undecided, it would be a Blind Man Nicaraguan cigar. Yeah, and it's a good, it's a good lineup. It's a good, and also they're all, they're all sitting at a good price point. That's what yeah. I think, because it's a great, you know, whether it's the, the original or the Connecticut or the Maduro, they all sit at a great price point and they all smoke. So. Yeah, and for us, we like if we launched it, we'd launch it like like our, the Blind Man Maduro. We put the Blind Man Maduro on the market. We didn't launch it. It went out there. It was selling at like within ninety days, it was selling ten percent of what Blind Man Habano was selling at. It didn't do shit, and then it built and built and built, and then now it's the same size as Blind Man Habano. So yeah. you just kind of throw it out there and you let it organically grow instead of doing like a rollout and a launch. And we didn't even press release it. Yeah. And so now I actually today I asked in the office, I'm like, hey, what's Blind Man doing? And we're at like it's it's like 37, 37 and 36 on the market share between the Blind Man, Blind Man Connecticut and Blind Man uh, Maduro, having done no effort whatsoever with those brands. So to, the reason that I would say that if we did something, it would be Blind Man because we could stay focused on our on our core initiatives and then just kind of like put it there and just like th just throw it out. It's like a weed. Just throw it out and let it grow. So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So, um, tell us about the nickname Rosewood. This is a good one. So, Dylan Austin, who now is president of Davidoff, congratulations, Dylan. 
and Matt Booth and I were together in, I don't even know where the hell we were, but anyways, backtrack. When I had my hotel and restaurant distribution company, I ended up being in Honduras for some tobacco thing that they had that was called Umo Jaguar that took place one year, and I became friendly with Matt on that trip and then Dylan from, from now Davidoff, and we all hit it off. And then Dylan started inviting me to do all this weird shit. So, like, hey, do you want to go to a press dinner in Los Angeles? I'm like, fuck it. So I'd fly out to L.A. I'd do a press dinner with Cigar Fishing or Cigar, uh, excuse me, with Camacho with, like, like weird, like, you know, luxury magazines and, like, L.A. Times and shit, like, non-cigar people. And then just he just was including me in a lot of random shit, just kind of, like, as one of the entourage. And then at one point, somebody asked him, who is that? And then Dylan's like, that's Rosewood. <laughs> and so I guess Kanye West at some point he had a couple songs where he just would scream Rosewood like completely randomly and nobody ever understood why <laughs> so the inspiration for the name was like there was no answer to who I was or why I was there it was just Rosewood and then Matt loved that shit so like oh, Matt, <laughs> yeah, Matt calls me Rosewood and Dylan calls me Rosewood still and uh, you are Rosewood in James's Some people that in the cigar industry, and we all know people like this, and Robert, I'm sure you know people. 
like this. Don't ever, if they say, hey, can I use your lighter? Don't do it. Because they will waste the entire tank of butane on lighting one cigar. There are some guys that post their cigars for, I shit you not, like two full minutes before they'll even start puffing on it. And I'm like, nope, dude, I'm not. And actually, I, I won't throw anybody around the bus, but there are some people that when they say, hey, can I borrow your lighter? I say, no, sorry, it's empty. <laughs> sorry, not going to happen. I'm not going to give you my, uh, my lighter because butane's expensive. I love it. So, Robert, are you a toaster or do you just throw that out? Uh, you know, I have, I, it depends. It depends, I guess. You know, it, like if I do cigar events, I don't enjoy smoking, you know, so then I just fucking light it and smoke it. Yeah. But on, on my own, yeah, I, I take a very long, like if I'm enjoying a cigar, I take a very long time to light it. Yeah. I have like a whole, like I might, I might have it, you know, like 30 minutes in my hand before I even light it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And there's yeah, yeah, there are times that I'm really kind of getting into the ceremony of it all and just sitting back and relaxing. And yeah, I'll I'll post the shit out of the scar sometimes, but usually, you know, I just uh, I get it done, get ready, and start. Yeah. So that is this week's smokabulary word, and now it is time for numero de los muertos. All right, Robert, every week we do a uh, Numero de los Muertos where I give a interesting statistic on uh, death and how things or people die and uh, throw a number and you guys try and guess it. So both uh, Matt and you and uh, people watching and listening can uh, throw in their, their guesses. And this week's numbers come only from the U.S. And the number is 400 on average a year. And this statistic goes back to the late 1800s. Okay, so 400 people a year died from this in the U.S. Yes. <sighs> and it goes back to the 1800s? Yeah. Yep. Not uh, falling off a horse. No, that's a good one. Um, is it, uh, is, is the death caused by crime? Okay. So there was no crime in the 1800s. That's true. That's true. There was no crime. <laughs> um, is it accidental death? It is accidental. Uh, is it? I didn't know you could ask questions and fucking narrow it down. Oh, you yeah, didn't explain the rules correctly. Yeah. You know what I yeah, it's like a twenty questions type of Yeah, start, start throwing out questions, yeah. try to try to dig in for, for more hints. Um, Drowning in the bathtub. No. Is it uh are, is it related to uh are animals involved in any way? Sometimes. I hate that answer. Sometimes. That's a great answer. <laughs> I like I like obtuse answers like that. Yeah, um, this is a occupation answer. And it is a it is a, a broader statistic, <clears throat> but that's why animals are sometimes involved, and sometimes they're not, because this industry um, covers a gamut. 
different things. Oh man, you're killing me. I got I got nothing in my head. Um are we talking yeah, that's, that's like one yeah, per day. Is it uh, is it related to uh, vehicles? It can be. <laughs> Those vague answers. It can be. Yeah. Um, all right, you gotta give another. I got enough. Gotta give me another hand. Um, it is a uh, industry that the uh, really <clears throat> a big portion of the U.S. Uh, contributes to uh, this. It's a huge uh, industry for export. Coal miners. Ooh, no. Not coal miners. Not coal miners. Exports. Exports from the United States. Grain. Broader. Farming. Yes. So farming deaths. 400 people a year die from farming in the U.S. every year. One per day. A little more than one per day. Yeah. Wow. Seriously? Yep. Man. Well, that's... That's another reason why I don't live in Indiana anymore. Move away from all the corn. Although we got plenty of corn around here. But it's mostly ethanol. It's mostly ethanol. So okay. So so four hundred people a year die from farming. So yeah. what? Like falling falling into a combine? Or yep. Uh, you know, James had a, a good guess earlier. He said uh, sampled by cows. Uh, Trample. Stample? Stample. You put stampeded and trampled in the same word. I made a word. You made a word. Good job. I like that. I say yeah. sky rise instead of high rise because <laughs> it goes to the sky. See, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the, the meeting of the words. It is. The great thing I think it's a sign of high intelligence. <laughs> it is. It Thank is. You. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll take it. So that is this week's numero. So, Robert, this is a little bit of a lightning round of questions. They're not necessarily cigar-related. If you could choose to hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Richard Branson, because he's a fucking G. <laughs> that's a great... That's a great answer. That We haven't had that answer yet. Oh, my gosh. No one hears that. I love that. Because yeah, you're right. He is the OG for the hustle. Yeah, that guy's the shit. I bought I bought his little spaceship company. Like I don't fuck around with the stocks, but he I'm like, oh, he's gonna shoot rockets into space, and you can buy a piece of that. I'm like, let me get some. So I bought it at like twelve bucks, which is where it had this little public offering, and then I went down to seven dollars. So then I'm like, let's buy some more. So I bought a bunch more, and then I went to like forty. Now it's not at forty; it's a little bit lower. But the best part was stock market last two days took a royal shit, right? Like yeah. 7%. That shit's going up because everybody wants to get on a rocket and fly the fuck off this planet. <laughs> so they're like, yep. So I'm sitting here and I'm just laughing because I don't own shit. I own that. And I'm like, you know, dials down 7%. My shit's up like 12. There you go. So, I love it. I didn't buy a lot of it, though. That's I, I wish I would have. Whatever. That goes to shit. Some is better than none. That's a great answer. Yeah. I like, I like it a lot. 
So, Robert, if you were about to get into a fight, what soundtrack music would come on? You know, either like I, I have this, I have like either flamenco music, man, because I don't know, it kind of like it makes me want to do everything at once. I like there, there's a song. So you do you know who the presets are? Yeah. So do you know the song AO? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's my fucking. That's my. That's my shooter song. Like I just put on my fucking. Like my. Just that's it. Just give me every fucking weapon. Put on that song and I'll go. And then I got a couple flamenco songs that are like that too. I don't know why flamenco doesn't really do that for a lot of people, but for me it stimulates mass it murder. Works, it works though. It makes me think of uh, you know uh, the Robert Rodriguez movies. You know, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, there you yeah. go. Absolutely. So, yeah. I like that you guys know the presets because no one fucking knows the presets. They're amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. So choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman, or you could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie. I'd probably do the hockey thing. Yeah, number one answer by far. Everybody. Yeah, because you guys are in fucking Minnesota. That's yeah. why. <laughs> well, but, but people we've interviewed from all over the cigar industry have all, almost uh, almost every single person has answered the hockey. Goal. Yeah, because they're all from fucking islands with no slow snow. That's why. <laughs> Well, that and last week we had to include uh, soccer. Oh yeah, soccer. Yeah. So, um, if you could give one piece of advice to a new cigar consumer, what would it be? Smoke everything. Number one answer. Yeah, great answer. Great, and absolutely the truth. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, If you could give one piece of advice to brick and mortar cigar shops, what would it be? Is that a trick question? <laughs> well, it's a, so the first obvious answer is put Caldwell cigars on your shelf. And then the second answer would be cash out and open a Jimmy John's franchise. <laughs> Thanks. James. 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 Jimmy fucking John's, man. <laughs> Nobody's no, there's no tax on Jimmy John sandwiches. There's no. No eating Jimmy John's within 15 feet of the door. There's no must be 21 years old to buy Jimmy John's. There's no you can't send me Jimmy John's in the mail. I mean, you can do whatever you want with Jimmy John's. Yeah, but I can only deliver within five miles of the store. Whatever. It's about to be that you can't deliver a cigar within five miles of the cigar, so they got you there, too. All right, well, when you come in, when you come, when you come in April, we'll just do a Jimmy John's <laughs> Let's do it. I, you know, I love Jimmy John's so much because we don't have any down here. They have them, but they're like in very obscure areas. I, 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 I like, I like Jimmy John's. This is the, the tuna fish sandwich, man. It's amazing. I haven't had the tuna fish there. Oh my oh, god, the tuna fish. Oh, it's amazing. So this is my first real job. Is uh, I actually opened up Jimmy John's. I thought it was Quiznos. No, sir. Oh, okay. Jimmy John's uh, owner sent me around. I was opening up Jimmy John's. Oh, nice. Quiznos was the shit, too. Yeah, they took a hard turn to uh, yeah. nowhere. Yeah, because they, yeah. they thought they had something magic until they realized anybody could buy a fucking toaster, and then somebody bought a toaster game over. <laughs> you know what it was? So it was that creepy little rodent fucking thing that they had as their mascot. Yeah, why, why, would, you have a, why would you have a rodent as the, as the mascot for a food place? No, how about it takes 14 minutes to get a sandwich because they slice everything there? Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
they put together just they, they went the way of the Jonah they did, which is you know, that's our enemy. Um, so if you could give one piece of advice to the PCA, the IPCPRs, what would it be? Acronyms are in the nineties, man. We're in two thousand twenty. I like that. I like that. I know it's not an acronym, but Matt Matt makes it that way. Ipsipper. Yeah. It's very confusing, all these letters. Plus, plus, by the way, by the way, I mean, you could be a little bit more tactful with your approach. We don't like three-letter names right now in this industry. I mean, yeah. just do a fourth letter. Just make it a little bit easier because right, you have, like, IRS. You have fucking FDA. FBI, DEA, FDA, the big scary one, and then now yeah. you have PCA. It's just it's very confusing and scary. Yeah. Well, we might soon have some something else. I mean, if, there's, oh, yeah. if, there's, if Trump's going to create some new uh, new uh, magical tobacco, you know, board or whatever the hell it's going to be, God, God, I, God, I, I wouldn't be. hang my hat on that shit. Yeah, I, that's, that's, uh, I'm very curious to see what happens with it all, but I don't have a good. Uh, I don't think there's good juju behind that. No, no good feelings happening here. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about this week's notable smokables. Um, every week we talk about a couple cigars we smoked in the past week, ten days ish, that we enjoyed. They could be old, they could be new, just something that we thought was interesting. So for me, my first one of the week, Placencia uh, Alma Del Campo is a cigar from them that I've enjoyed for a couple of years since it came out. And uh, yeah, I smoked another one, uh, grabbed one out of my for uh, a few days ago, and uh, still. Still a favorite of mine from Sensia. Uh, and uh, my first one is uh, 300 Minutes, the uh, Southern Draw uh, portable cigar. And man, just great flavor out of a you know six dollar stick. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah, good cigar. So, Robert, we know that obviously you smoke mostly your own stuff, maybe mostly your own stuff, but is there anything interesting you've smoked recently that uh, that, that kind of uh, raised your eyebrows? Yeah, actually, I smoked, well, nothing new to me, but I, I, I smoked yesterday. There's a very small brand called J. London. Yeah. Um, which was brought, well, it's made where we make our cigars. So I'm familiar with the brand. I know the owner, all this shit. But I was down in DR. So I grabbed a couple of his cigars out of the aging room because he's not going to miss them. And I smoked one yesterday. And he's got like a Lonsdale. And it's fantastic. It's a Connecticut. It's a classic kind of like sophisticated Connecticut, but just packed with flavor. So I smoked that yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. Um, it's a very my, small brand, but they're very yeah, good. Yeah, I haven't. I have heard of them for, for the last couple of years, but I haven't tried any of their stuff yet. But I've heard very good things. Um, so another one for me, I actually grabbed out of the humidor here, and it's one that I grabbed regularly out of the humidor here at Stogies. Uh, and this. Oh, you're at Stogies? No, not Stogies. We're at Stogies. Oh. Yeah. And I used to go to Stogies all the time. Yeah, oh yeah, we still go there. Oh, yeah. We still go there a lot. Um, and there's. So they, they carry the uh, the La Barba Ricochet right here. Mm. And that's just a cigar that I enjoy a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a good price. Uh, and I, I I reach for it, like I said, often when I'm here at the shop because it's uh, uh, it's, it's got great flavor to it. What size? It's the Corona. Yeah. 
So when Tony made those cigars, like the first bo- the first shipment that came in, I took three boxes for my personal collection. <laughs> I, I love that cigar. Yeah. That, so I, the, the entrepreneur in me also, everybody's got to pay tax. So like, oh, for yeah. example, Carlos works for Davidoff and his son-in-law works for me. So I'm at an event this weekend. Davidoff's got these cool portable espresso machines. You put in hot water already. It hyperheats. You hold it in your hand. It hyperheats the water to steam. You press a button and out comes a shot of espresso. It's amazing. So Carlos gives me the machine to give to Trevor. So today I get to office and Trevor says to me, hey, this weekend, you know, like Carlos, apparently he gave you something to give to me. And I'm like, don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, tax. So he got taxed. So taxes, you just take a little bit. But if there's only one, you can take that one too. Yeah. So nice. don't give me anything to give to anybody. Because, you know, so so here's the point, though. For me, for me, transporting that from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or Palm Beach down to Miami, I, by the time it gets to the office, you're out of funds because it's like a $45 machine. Yeah. And that Uber ride down... I mean, that's, I mean, he owes me money. (laughs) So everybody in my crew, but it's funny because it comes back on me too. So my business partner and I ordered some stuff when we were in Germany from this German tobacco show. So that shit shows up in Miami. It's sitting on my desk. I'm missing like 20% of it. And I'm like, what the fuck? What happened to my stuff? And Trevor's like, tax. I'm like, hmm. I got you, but yeah, it's completely like that's that's within the lines. That's okay. I'm good with that. Yeah, it's all part of the game. Yeah, why not? So, um, a couple programming notes for you guys for upcoming weeks here on the show. Uh, next week, we're going to actually be broadcasting live from Tobacco Grove, and we're going to talk to Jeff Bogan about Crux cigars. Uh, so we're excited about that, and then. On uh, the 10th, on March 10th, we're going to talk to Jonathan Hardy from La Florida Dominicana Cigars. And we have some more stuff coming up later in March as well. So keep tuned in for that. Um, so, Robert, give everybody sort of a final thank you and a final uh, you know, idea on where they can find out more about uh, Caldwell Cigars. Um, on the interweb, the there's interweb. much information. You can Google us. Nice. And you guys know. are on. Uh, you guys are on Instagram and. and uh, yeah, and our, I'm I'm terrible with social media. So if you find our Instagram to be bland, that's my business partner Hernando. If something catches your attention, it was probably me. Um, but we have we have a very underwhelming social media presence. That's one of my New Year's resolutions this year. But I'm I'm like halfway through the year and I haven't done shit. But uh, but yeah, you can find information on there, and. That's it. I mean, thank you guys for having me and all the consumers that enjoy our product. Thank you. If you don't, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, and uh, remember, uh, in April, we've got a show. You're coming out to uh, Burn uh, to do an event down there. Yes. Super yeah. excited to uh, have you in town. So we'll make sure to keep people uh, posted on that. Yeah, perfect. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been to Minneapolis. I guess James, last time I was up there was an event with James. He took my Yankees hat. So I'm coming to get it back. Yeah, I'm coming to get it back. But I know I'm actually looking for. You know, I I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed living up there. It just like, it's a small area, and yeah. I and I outgrew it very quickly. But 
I really much enjoyed it. You know, I, the Twin Cities are like in terms of business, man, like you have all these major fucking companies based there and there's a lot oh, of yeah. intellect and a lot of education and they're very international and they're very, it's just, it's weird. Cause I got there. I'm like, I mean, what the fuck is this? Like, where, where am I? Like you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And there's just, yeah. it's very, it's just impressive. And then actually moving out of it, I was more impressed as I became older and like a little more educated on stuff that there was so much more coming out of those cities than I ever knew that there was. And it's, it's, it's very fascinating because it makes no sense. The only thing I can imagine is the weather's so miserable that people just have to think. Yeah. And then they sit there and they think a really good shit. Well, and I, they're like, let's do this. I've always, I've always called it the reverse Las Vegas because Las Vegas was a city that was built up in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And the Twin Cities built up in the middle of nowhere in the frozen tundra. And it just it turned into this big place where a lot of people love to live and love to love to work and, and you know I, I've been here for most of my life. So Yeah. I got a funny story for you. So when I went to rehab there, I go and my mom like brings me there and she checks me in or whatever and the lady that was at the front desk was from like Duluth or some shit, I don't know. And I couldn't understand a fucking word she was saying. And my mom grew up in Chicago. And I talk like a normal person, I think. But I, she she thought I talked weird. And I didn't understand a fucking thing she said. So my mom had to translate, like, English into English so that I could check in. Did she Did she go full Fargo? And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's like, it's like, hey, lady, what time is it? She's like, it's about far. I'm like, the fuck did you just... <laughs> I'm like, what did, what did, what, I just had no idea. It was very bizarre. And then the best part of my whole rehab experience was I get there and then my homeboy Mario that I hadn't seen for like six years that I've known since I'm three years old, he's like there with me. I'm like, what's up, man? So, small world. Yeah, I went to Hazelden. I, you know, I like lied and I said I'd been clean for a while because I didn't want to do the whole thing. So then they put me in the extended care program, which for those of you guys that are drug addicts and didn't go to Hazelden, it's an, it's like, if you're royally fucked up, they send you to that part. Yeah. And then so I went there for like 80 days and then they kicked me out. And then I went to halfway house and then they kicked me out and then I went to sober living and then they kicked me out. So I got kicked out of everywhere, but then I stayed, I still don't do drugs or drink alcohol. So I guess it worked. It worked. Yeah. It yeah. Worked. That's what matters. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed it. It, it was, it was fun, man. I don't know. And then, and then what happened was one Sunday afternoon, I'm sitting at Grand Avenue with Caribou Coffee. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then it starts flurrying snow. And I'm like, it's August 20th, motherfucker. <laughs> and then I call my mom, and I'm like, I'm coming to Miami. And she's like, what do you mean? And I went I went to my house. I was at a house somewhere in St. Paul. And uh, I, like, pack a duffel bag, jump in my car, and drove to Bowling, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Rented a hotel room, took a shower, laid down for, like, 20 minutes. Couldn't sleep. Get up, drove to Miami. Got to Miami. Went out to dinner, went to the nightclub, and just fucking never went back. Left all my shit there. Wow. Yeah, so I'm going to get my stuff when I go up there. We can do that as part <laughs> yeah. of the event. I left, every, I left everything there. Fuck it. We'll, well what do you need a parka for in Miami anyways? Because I had all this winter shit. Well, I, I know people down there, when it gets to be about 60, they, they start throwing on hoodies. And yeah, but you know what? Miami, so you guys make fun of that shit, but two things. Hey, first of all. 60 in Miami with a little bit of a breeze and the moisture is fucking brutally cold. Yeah, it is. 
it's, it's, it's cold. Yeah, it's weird cold because you got the moisture cut through your clothes. So 60 feels like 55 and then you die, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, you motherfuckers come down. You guys go in the sun. You look like a Pepto-Bismol bottle <laughs> wearing a tank top. <laughs> and it's like it's not even hot outside and people are sweating inside, dying. And you can the best thing with Miami, you got a guy who's 450 fucking pounds sitting outside in August. It's 97 degrees and humid. But if he's from Miami, he doesn't sweat. And then you get a skinny dude from like Minneapolis comes down wearing a tank top, looks like a Pepto-Bismol bottle, burned to a fucking crisp. And in the goddamn ocean when it's fucking January and 60 degrees, it's crazy. And locals, I go in the water in July, August, and maybe September. And in the wintertime, the water's like 87 degrees. It's the Arctic. You can't go in that water. <laughs> well, you, you can do the, the lakes will still be frozen over. So when you're here, you can do the polar plunge. That shit is brutal, man. <laughs> no, that's, I've never done that before. And I don't think oh, that's good. No, not a You know what I did? I went to Sweden and there's this, I, I, I go to Sweden a lot. And so I go doing a cigar event in this town called Urabru, which is like an hour north of Stockholm. And there's a Finnish guy and he's got a, I always stay at his house, really nice guy. And so he's got a sauna in his house. So every time we do the sauna, but then the last time there was like 90 feet of snow outside. So he's like, well, I'm going to go like in the snow after the sauna. I'm like, all right. I'm like, yeah, me too. So it's negative 10 outside and it's piles of snow. And I come out of the sauna fucking drop my towel dive into like like a snow drift completely naked and i it was like a cartoon like i hit the i hit the ground and i, I couldn't stand up because my like my arms and legs were moving so quick like i mean like you know like the cartoon trying not to touch the water i lost my shit man and i ran back inside and i just fucking like i just i just started hyperventilating it was brutal it happened to me one other time but it was different but yeah that was tough and I did that in Minnesota one time, but that wasn't as bad because it was a sauna jump at the lake, but it was the summertime. Oh, but this oh, was yeah. terrible, the, the oh. Sweden thing. Yeah, not happening. Oh, dude, I, I think you're going to do it. If you're talking, you're like, oh, forget about it. It's not happening. It's not happening. Hey, Robert, thanks, man. We really appreciate you giving us some of your time this evening. And we can't wait to see you in April. My pleasure. Sounds good, likewise. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Until we see you next time. Burn cigars. See you guys. Thanks.